We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you'll turn there, please. We've been in there really now for this is our eighth day, third sermon. Here at Grace Community Church, we are really preaching and praying our way, discussing our way. I should also maybe say repenting and believing our way all the way through the letter called 1 Peter. And here at Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, this season, I decided we're just staying right here in this letter because we're on this wonderful text that points to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we started last Sunday, Palm Sunday, talking about the life of Jesus from this passage I'm going to read in just a moment. And we saw that the life of Jesus was a life that was completely entrusted to God the Father. God the Son, Jesus Christ, gave his life over to God the Father to be completely obedient to him and to do his will. He entrusted everything to God. And then Friday night, Good Friday, we saw from this same text that the death of Jesus, the entrusted life led to his death. And the death of Jesus is what we call substitutionary, meaning it is in our place. He died for our sins that we would believe and receive and have his salvation. So here we are on Easter Sunday morning from the same passage And we want to see how the resurrected, alive Christ is the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. So if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds You have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is God's word. You may be seated. I love the reference Peter makes to Jesus in verse 25 the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. This was personal to Peter because Peter himself had returned to Christ. Peter came to know, the the apostle Peter who wrote this letter, 30 years earlier, came to know Jesus Christ as shepherd and overseer of his own soul. There were two ways this happened for Peter. First was by the what we would call the revelation of the Holy Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. The second one was personal. The first one, the revelation of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the prophets, came as Peter read and heard taught Old Testament prophecies like Isaiah in Isaiah 40 or Ezekiel in chapters 34 and 37, Zechariah chapter 13. All of these were prophecies made by prophets under the authority and inspiration of the Holy Spirit that said that at a point in time, God would raise up a shepherd. 
and the shepherd would lead his people. Later, Jesus, in the time of Jesus, Jesus took these Old Testament prophecies to himself. He said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. He didn't just make that up. It's not the first time the shepherd language was used. He reached back to the prophecies of the Old Testament that were made and said, these are about me. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I take it up again. So by the spirit and the word of prophecy and the word of Christ, Peter came to know Jesus as shepherd and overseer. But it was also in his personal life that he came to know Jesus this way. In the actual events and encounters and interactions with Jesus. And the primary event in Peter's life that brought him the clearest vision and brought him to the most decisive commitment to Christ as shepherd and overseer was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the resurrection, he saw Christ alive and he heard Christ call him, come after me. Let me give you just a bit of Peter's experience. We don't have time to talk about it all today. There's a lot of it, but here's a bit of his experience. Peter was an early follower of Jesus Christ. He wasn't the first one. His brother, Andrew, was. Andrew first followed another prophet who was in Jesus' time. His name was John the Baptist. So Andrew's following John the Baptist. John the Baptist is talking about the coming one. And then John the Baptist saw Jesus one day and said, there he is. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when Andrew heard that, Andrew said, I'm not going to follow the prophet anymore. I'm going to follow the Lamb. I'm going to follow Christ. So he got up and he followed Jesus. After a day or so with Jesus, the first thing he did was go back and find his brother. That's Peter. He found his brother and he said, we have found him. We have found the one. And Peter got up and became a follower of Jesus. Now this following language is used in the New Testament to talk about teachers and disciples. But Jesus used the following language to talk about sheep and a shepherd. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus said that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and they follow him. So very early on, Peter is being prepared to see Jesus as a shepherd, as an overseer of his soul. So for about three years, Peter is following Jesus. And as I said, there's too much to talk about today, so let me just encourage you to to read the Gospels. This week, pick up one. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Choose one, read it this week, and as you do, look for Peter. You're going to find this man, Peter. He's always out front. He's always the confident one. We'd say he's the overconfident one. He's like the kid in the class, hand up first, can't wait to answer the question. But he's also like the kid in the class who always gives the wrong answer (laughs) and gets corrected. Well, that's Peter. And it's okay because we learn from him. The rest of us are like the the siblings of the lead, the the firstborn who's always getting into, into trouble. And the rest of us are watching to learn. Don't do that. Do that. That's Peter. 
But a few things to point out about Peter. First is, he heard the teaching of Jesus about the good shepherd. And it stuck in his mind. We're 30 years later, and he's writing about the shepherd and the overseer of their souls. It stuck in his mind. Jesus is the good shepherd. It'll become more clear to Peter as time goes on. It's also worth noting that toward the end of these three years, just before Jesus was crucified, Peter was completely confident in himself. He was absolutely sure that he would never deny Jesus. And it's at that moment that Peter had a devastating experience. It was devastating. We lose a sense of how devastating this was for Peter because we've heard about it so many times. But in that moment for him, he must have felt like it was over. It didn't destroy him. Judas betrayed Jesus to his destruction. But Peter denied Jesus to his devastation, but it did not destroy him. It was life-altering. But God, as we see, God used it for good because here he is writing a letter about it, about the shepherd. The devastating experience is that Peter denied being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus, at this moment when it happens, Jesus is being tried. He's in a religious trial. And he's about to be turned over to the Romans to be crucified. And Peter said, I don't know him. I, he denied him. Now, Jesus told Peter this was going to happen. He said, Peter, Satan is going to sift you like wheat. He's going to put you through something that you're going to think is going to cause your death. But God's going to use it to purify you. And you, Peter, are going to deny me. Jesus also said, but I have prayed for you. And I prayed and when you deny me, you're also going to turn again. You're going to turn back to me. And when you turn back to me, you are going to strengthen other people in their faith. We're reading Peter today, 30 years after that experience, strengthening the hearts of these people. Well, that's what Jesus told Peter. But Jesus also told his disciples, he said, the shepherd, speaking of himself, is going to be struck down. And when that happens, the sheep are going to be scattered. Jesus is quoting, referring to the prophet Zechariah. But he said, this is going to be temporary also. Because after I'm struck down and you're scattered, Jesus said, I'm going to be raised from the dead and I'm going to regather you to myself. And then it happened, exactly as Jesus said it was going to happen. Peter denied Jesus. Jesus then was crucified. The disciples then were scattered. They were sheep without a shepherd for a bit, 
The last words before the cross that we hear from Jesus' mouth, they're, they're hard words, they're difficult words to hear. The last words are these. I swear I do not know him. I am not his disciple. I have written here, Peter strayed, but that, that doesn't seem strong enough, does it? He strayed, he denied, and they were scattered. Well, maybe just a moment of reflection before we move on. There's a straying and there's a scattering that is happening. Now, many who have had some experience with Christ, they've heard of Him and learned of Him and maybe even have had the experience of declaring that they have faith in Christ. There's a straying going on. There are congregations that are straying from Christ because they're straying from the truth. There's a scattering that has happened, that is happening. And the hope is that it has happened before and yet Christ has returned people. We see it with the first disciples, but Christ returned them, brought them back. <clears throat> and we see it with this apostle that he strayed and was scattered and Christ brought him back and he's now writing a letter. So how did that happen? How did Peter get from that place of denial and weeping bitterly and a sheep wandering away from the shepherd to writing a letter to a congregation saying that Jesus is the shepherd and the overseer of their souls and calling them back. The only explanation for this is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we get from wandering off and straying to having a shepherd and overseer of our souls. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that, too, was very personal for Peter. We heard a moment ago, we read a moment ago from the Gospel of Luke that when the women who first heard that Jesus was raised from the dead went and told the disciples that Peter was among them and he heard this news that the tomb was empty and he ran to the tomb maybe a mile or two away. He ran there, and he looked in and found the linen cloth that Jesus had been wrapped in all alone, but no Jesus, no body. And we're left hanging, weren't we? Were you, did you feel like you were left hanging there after we read that? All we have of Peter is he's marveling. He's marveling. Doesn't say he's of faith yet. It just says he's marveling. But we have to believe that his faith is awakening. Like something in that moment clicked and he said, wait, what has been dark since Friday, maybe there is a flicker of light. Maybe there's some hope here. He's starting to marvel. And then Jesus appeared to him and to them. Again, if you read the Gospels, you'll see there are numerous appearances that Jesus made over about 40, uh, 40 days to the 
uh, to the apostles. And one of them, the one we're going to look at, talk about now, is in John chapter 21. And it's, a, it's really about Jesus and the apostles, but it's also about Jesus and Peter. The disciples, apostles had been fishing all night, and it's morning, and Jesus made them breakfast. Don't you? I, just, I just love the simplicity of that. Jesus made them breakfast. And so after breakfast, Jesus singled out Peter. Now, I know that's in our day, in our, in our time, that would be considered rude. But Jesus did it. He looked at Peter, who had denied him three times, and he said to him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said three times, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Every time you know it just kind of crushed him, just hurt him. And every time Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you, Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he looked at him and said, follow me. Now right there, we need to slow down and see what's happening. Jesus, in that moment, is clearly identifying himself as the shepherd, the overseer of souls. He's referring to himself as a shepherd, and he's saying, sheep, follow me. Well, wait a minute, didn't he just tell Peter that Peter was going to feed the sheep? Yes, Peter would be the under-shepherd. Peter would be the one who, under the authority of the chief shepherd, would bring the word of the chief shepherd, Jesus to the church, but it is Jesus Christ who is the shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. There is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The good shepherd took it up again. There is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The sheep who were scattered at his death are now being returned, regathered, through his resurrection, regathered to the shepherd of their souls. So here we are now, verse 25 of the text we just read, 30 years later, and the under-shepherd Peter is writing to the sheep of this congregation in the first century saying, you have now returned to the shepherd of your souls. But first he says, you were straying like sheep. All have strayed like sheep. This again is a prophecy from the Old Testament. This time from Isaiah chapter 53 where the, the prophet says, All have strayed like sheep. All have turned to their own way. All. And Peter's just reminding them this is what the prophet said and this is your experience too. All have strayed away like sheep. It's the human experience. In some way, at some point, concerning something about our lives, every one of us has strayed away from God and followed after our own way. Every one of us. I read testimonies here at Grace. It's one of the, one of the joyous things of of what I do as a pastor when we have a membership, the elders and I uh, and some of the staff, when we have a membership class and people want to join our church, they write out their testimony. 
And as they're writing out their testimony to, to tell us that they've come to faith in Christ, I love reading these. And sometimes I'll read a testimony that'll go like this. M- many of you have maybe written this, and it'll be, it'll be something like this. Um, I have, when I was a child, I heard the gospel, and I came to faith early on, and I really don't remember a time when I really wasn't thinking about and ensure that I knew Jesus as my Savior, to which I say, praise the Lord. I mean, what a great experience to come to faith when you're a young child and then you get to skip all the mess and all the junk that you could have gotten into if you didn't. And I, but every time I read those, and I know the people who write these understand what I'm about to say, every time I read them, I, I think to myself, yes, you've been in church all of your life and you heard the gospel young and you responded young, but you know, we know, we all know that there was a time when even the youngest, when even those who seem most innocent, there was a time in some way, at some point, about something, they said, my way, not God's. And it's a lot worse than just, I don't want to put my shoes on, or I don't want to eat that for dinner. It's deeper than that because it's in relation to God. All of us, in big ways or small ways, doesn't matter, all of us have strayed like sheep. It could be overt, kind of in your face, outward rebellion. I'm going to have my way and watch me. Or it could be very subtle sort of a quiet resolve compliant on the outside but deep in the heart I'm going to have my way we may even use acceptable means to rebel against God there there are very acceptable means to rebel against God you know this don't you like there are ways that we are actually encouraged to act that are actually rebellious against God Or it could be the unacceptable means that assert ourselves and say, you know, my way or the highway. We've all sinned in this way. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Sometimes people have had the initial encounter with Christ, and they may even call it uh, becoming a Christian, but they've strayed. And the crucial, crucial question is, Will they return? Peter says, you were straying. Now you've returned. The, 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 the crucial question is, will you return? Some people never had that younger initial experience with Christ that I'm talking about. But then they heard the gospel. They've been converted to Christ by faith. But they too were straying in the sense that there was that moment, that place, that time, some way when the heart was shown to be all about self and rebelling against God. And the reality is there is a former separation from the good shepherd that must be acknowledged by everyone. It must be acknowledged before we will ever turn back to him. It must be acknowledged before we will remain with him. Again, as we talked about Friday night, it wasn't just a simple mistake. It wasn't just a weakness. 
It's a sinfulness that must be acknowledged. You were straying like sheep. Or maybe in your life it would read, you are straying like sheep. And then he says, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And there is the resurrection call. It can only come from one who is alive. The call to return can only come, it cannot come from one in a grave. It can only come from one who is alive. And the resurrected one stands and says, return, come to me, turn to me, return to me. And this, this whole understanding of returning and turn, it's the word repent. It is a beautiful, beautiful word. It is not a bad word. I think if I have, if I have a preaching goal, I have several preaching goals in, in, in life, and one of them is to reclaim the word repent because it's so wonderful. It's been given a bad rap. It's life. You know, the book of Acts says you repent unto life. We say, oh, no, I'm repenting unto death. It feels like death when I repent. Oh, but it's through the doorway of repenting death that you come to life. Return. Repent. Say no to this that is killing you. This straying like a wandering sheep this self-exaltation above Christ and God and his way and his truth. Say no to that. Say yes, a decisive break from the former now to follow the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. What kind of returning is Peter talking about here? Well, in the context, he's talking to two kinds of people. He's talking to Jewish believers. They're returning to their Messiah. They knew Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah. They knew this. They knew a a shepherd was coming. And for these, they've seen that the shepherd is Christ. And they have turned to him. But he's also talking to Gentiles who don't have this Jewish religious background. And they maybe are hearing this for the first time. And they're converted to Christ. They've turned. Jew or Gentile, they've repented. Well, and so today. Some say they came to faith in years past, strayed from the faith, now they're returning. Maybe you're returning this morning. Maybe that's what it is about to come to church on Easter for you. Others testify to never hearing this message until they much older in life, in adult life. But they hear it and they turn for the first time. Some people spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to figure out which one belongs to them. I read testimonies, you know, I told you that. And a, a, a lot of the, some of the testimonies I read go like this. I came to faith in Christ when I was younger, but then I had this period of my life where I really wasn't walking with Christ, and then I went to college, or I joined a church, or I met somebody, and they started telling me about about Christ, and then I came back. And so I read these testimonies, and one of the questions that people have is, I don't know if I was a Christian then and returned, or if I was never a Christian and now I've become one. And a lot of people spend a lot of time and energy trying to think on this. And so let me just simplify it for you, okay? Okay. 
we've all strayed. Christ the shepherd laid down his life. He died for straying sinners. Christ the shepherd took his life back up. He rose from the dead to be the shepherd and overseer of our souls. The living, resurrected Christ, out of the grave, standing before us now in his word and by the Spirit, is looking at us and saying, repent and believe and follow me. And so I'll simplify it. If you're struggling with was it then, was it now, when was it, here's the deal. Present, this day, this moment, faith and turning to Christ is what matters. Right now. This matters. Return to him. Turn to him. In the end, whether you're returning or turning for the first time, it's the same thing. You're coming under the lordship of the shepherd and overseer of your soul. We need a shepherd and overseer of the soul. souls are being led astray you know it and I know it stop for a moment think with me for a moment what are you hearing what madness in our culture what insanity is being presented as our truth our souls need something Our souls need it. A shepherd and an overseer. Because we're being led astray. We will be led astray without a shepherd. Our souls need spiritual food. We were made for food. Not just physically, but spiritually. It comes in the form of right thoughts, truth. It comes in the form of God's grace. The writer of Hebrews says, don't worry about being strengthened by food. Be strengthened by grace. We need the gospel. People are believing lies. And the greatest lie of all is that God didn't really say. You can exalt yourself. Pursue this life. And it is killing the soul. But there's a shepherd, an overseer. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you turn to him, he leads He feeds. He gives a nourishment to the human soul that makes it come alive and really live. The soul needs spiritual care. This whole economy is built on bodily care, emotional care. Yes, okay, but our souls, our souls need to be cared for, the right diagnosis that we have strayed like sheep, that we're sinners before God Almighty, and the right prescription, repentance and faith toward Him, and He will set you free. Souls need to be led. Just just look, just stop for one moment, for one moment, Stop criticizing all of the young people and watch for a moment as they fall off the cliff 
And then pray. Pray that the shepherd and the overseer of the soul would capture them. He captured me. You could have looked at me at one point and said, that punk, what's wrong with him? I was a lost, wandering, scattered sheep. And the shepherd called me home. Souls need a shepherd to watch over them. We're not so big and almighty and strong and and self-dependent and self-reliant that we can watch over ourselves. We will crash and burn if we're left to ourselves. But there's a shepherd, Jesus, who will watch over, who will guide, who will correct, who will protect our souls. The body, the body is wasting away. But the inner man is being renewed day by day as the shepherd of our souls is watching over us. Our souls need to be healed. By his wounds we are healed, he said in verse 24. We're healed. We have peace. We are reconciled. We're made whole. We're made the people Christ intended us to be. The very reason he created us, he returns us to that place. Jesus Christ is the slain lamb and he is the resurrected shepherd and as the shepherd he is calling us to turn he's standing before us today saying come and follow me not only do we need to see this today we need to be praying this for people that's what's wrong that is the problem the problem is that souls are away from God. And we need to return and they need to return. And here's the beautiful thing. So I, the beautiful thing is that when we turn to the shepherd, we will find that the shepherd turned us to himself. I've found it, we say. I've You can hear a new Christian, can't you? I found it. And then they look at Christ, and Christ says, yeah, but really I found you. I turned to Christ, and Christ says, yeah, but really, really I turned you. I came after you. The shepherd left to go out for the straying, went out to the straying, found, turned, brought home. It's a beautiful truth. Yes, amen. He did it because he's alive and he's doing it today. So, it was personal for Peter. It's personal for me. It's personal for you. It can be personal for you. We need to be praying that it will be personal for millions, millions more. Millions more. Think on these things this week. Let it, let, it, let it ruminate, let it stir, let it stir you up.
If it starts to stir you up, please, please don't try to quiet that down. Please don't beat it back with busyness or whatever it is you're going to do to keep from thinking about this. Let it hear it. The shepherd saying return. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. 